0: We are we're in a series called the Apostles' Creed, and we ended our gathering last week uh, reading it together. And what I want to want to do today, before we jump into it, we're going to be walking through this creed and seeing how it points us back into Scripture and discovering uh, roots of historic faith that has been so deeply part of the church and from early Christianity and early Christians. Early churches, right from the first and second century, and so what I want to do is we as we start off uh, today or this talk, I want to read it together again. And uh, we'll try and read it every week. Now, I acknowledge, last week I got about three or four questions on that one phrase, one holy Catholic church. And I thought if four people asked about it, 40 people thought about it, uh, for sure. So I'll just, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you in suspense because we will talk about that section, obviously. But um, we did post a couple of things on Facebook that lets you know what that word with small c means, which is really the word Universal. And uh, that we are, you know, one body of believers in Christ. So when Jesus is, if Jesus is our foundation, then we are brothers and sisters across the globe. I, you know, I'm, I was tempted to say like, you know, I guess, I guess if you feel like you can't, it's hard for you to say that word, you're wondering, what is that? Many do use the word universal and maybe one day, uh, maybe towards the end of the series and if we put this creed on our website, um, we might choose to use that word, but Lower uh, case C, capital, means universal and broad in that sense. So well, let's, why don't we start off and read this creed together, and, uh, and then we'll jump into um, to the gathering. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, and the life everlasting. Amen. Father, as we continue this series today and begin with this first line of this creed, we invite you to speak to us. Um, Light up our hearts with your word and how this creed points us back into it. Um, Help us, God, to grow as a people of faith, as a people with also roots in our faith, that is way bigger than us, um, that started way before us, and that we are part of something that is beyond us as well, that will go into the future, that we can also be a part of. So we pray in that way today. And as, as many of us have come today in an, in an act of worship as well, Lord, I, just, I pray that as we've sung, as we've encouraged each other, as we open the scriptures right now, and even as as maybe as some have come um, with offering uh, in their hands today or maybe have given this week online, Lord, this is all an act of worship to you because we love you and we respond in faith to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Have you ever been asked to work with someone and, you, and then you're, you kind of like start to think about this individual and wondering if you're gonna say yes or no or maybe. Has that ever happened like at work or in a, with a family party or maybe, uh, maybe not a family party, but maybe just, you know, just someone. And your response is either yes, I'd love to work with this person or no, I don't really want to work with this person or I'm not really sure because I don't know them too well. Has that ever been maybe your case, the case when you've asked? And really I think what happens when we're stuck in that situation, when someone says hey, will you work with this person on this project or, where you do this, what comes to mind is, what do I believe about this person? What do I think about this person? How will we work together? Um, do, we have, you know, do we have the same kind of maybe chemistry to work together? Do we have the same philosophy uh, you know, in terms of an approach for this project? Because what you believe about that person is really vital, and usually indicates if you say yes, if you say no, or if you say, well, I'd like to get to know them first. I remember some years ago, I was asked to work with someone on, um, on a project, and I remember uh, you know just this person saying, hey, why don't you come and work with us, uh, work here maybe at our church, and work on these, these, you know, this, this mission together with us. And I remember sitting there, sitting in front of this person, and then I asked him, I said, there's been so many times where we've tried to work together and it really didn't turn out the way we thought it would. Or we didn't really see eye to eye in a couple of things. Or, you know what, we just had this different philosophy of ministry. And I and I remember saying, you know what, I don't think, I don't think I'm going to say yes. And he said, why not? I said, because in two or three months, we're going to be sitting down here in the same chairs and saying, you know, this is not really working. Because there were certain things that I just believed about how this would go about. And I think when we understand that, it helps us make those kind of decisions. And I had to ask myself, what is true about that person? When we think about the Apostles' Creed, it forces us to ask a question. What do I believe is true about God? What do I believe is true about God? Or what do you actually believe about God? We live in a modern society, 21st century, and when we talk to people about God, sometimes they start describing their, their, their opinion, um, what they think about faith or religion or God, and often I, I sit across from people, friends, neighbors, uh, somebody maybe I just meet, and I, just, I listen to them talk, and I'm like, I don't think we believe in the same God. Actually, I don't believe in the God you're talking about either. And, and because they, they're, they're, they have this certain perception of who God is or what God is about or what his character is like or maybe what others have made them believe God is like. So it's a big question today as we jump into the Apostles' Creed, what do you believe about God? And the first phrase of the Creed says this, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, Maker of heaven and earth. Talk about a short sentence to describe the bigness of God. But like we said last week, one of the beauties of a creed is in a few words, it becomes a window into something much bigger. And so I want to focus on this line today. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and hopefully answer this question what do we believe about God? Well, first off, the the word believe comes up in this creed, and it actually comes up three times because it 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 divides um, our 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 focus on God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So this creed is a Trinitarian creed, and towards the end we're gonna talk about towards the end of the series we're gonna talk about the Trinity and actually have a guest who's gonna speak on that. But right off the bat we see this phrase. It's, the word is actually credo, which means I believe, and it's this affirmation, and, and, and here we think about this. It happens three times in this creed, and it's, it's interesting because when we consider other uh, faiths or other religions, often they're focused on practices, behaviors, ethics, even Judaism. Judaism. Is, uh, is a faith that would, would, would describe or talk more about uh, how to live than what they actually believe. If you look at Islam, you will find many, many uh, descriptions, uh, laws on what you need to do, but no creeds. And I find that interesting. Now, belief and practice are both important. What we believe and what we practice are the official words are orthodoxy and orthopraxy. They're both important, but there's a unique feature in the creeds that is really important for us. It means that our belief grounds our practice, or our practices are grounded or rooted in our belief. Jesus talks about how to live and how to reflect his kingdom and how to treat one another. and love. That's all important, but how we live is actually rooted in what we believe, and even especially what we believe about God. So what you believe about God matters. Not just that you believe. Not that you just say, I believe in God. I believe that there's uh, some force out there. Maybe one of your neighbors might say. But what you actually believe about God. The the sense of belief is really this idea of faith. Faith. And right in the earliest pages of scripture, we start to see these examples of faith in the Bible. Really their responses to God. Noah, Abraham, Moses, David, Ruth, Esther, and others. They responded to God who revealed himself to them. So their belief, their faith, was a response to God acting, to God revealing, to God um, initiating, and they responded in faith. Now, don't get me wrong, faith is never certainty. Actually, the opposite of faith is probably certainty. But you, you, become, you put your faith in something you know to be true, something you know to be true. You can actually have doubts within your faith, but your faith is putting your faith in something you know to be true. Not always certain, but deeply true. In a response to something that you know is truthful. And when you think about asking this question, who is God? It's the God who revealed himself to humanity. Right from the beginning pages of scripture, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We already see that the creed reflects this phrase, right? Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. But who did they believe God was? When, when they wrote the first five books of the Bible and they described their experience of discovering who this God was, what did they believe about God? There's three names for God that are, are common in the Old Testament. The first name is Elohim, the second one is Yahweh, and the third is Adonai. And the first word, God, or Elohim, is interesting because it's, it's a plural word for God. It's almost like saying God's plural Not just saying El, but Elohim. And it was like, like Moses and others were wrestling to describe this God that they encountered, and they could not just call him El, like this one God. They had to call him Elohim because he was just so much bigger than they could ever imagine. And they describe him or use this name, Elohim, distinguishes God from the tribal views of their small gods or their idols. Because Israel saw their God as a creator and a revealer and an initiator. So it was not just El, but it was Elohim because this God was big. But then God had a personal name and that personal name was Yahweh. And if you read through some parts of the Old Testament, you'll see that there's often descriptors of that name, Yahweh Yireh, which is God the provider or other descriptions of God, a healer, almighty, great, provider. It's God's name. And I love this idea. I love this beautiful name because it tells us that what we know about God is that God is personal. He's not just a force. He's not just some cosmic force. He's a personal God who reveals himself with a personal name. So God is not only big and creator and awesome, but God is personal and interactive and loving and reaching out. But there's another name that they would often use for God. By the way, Yahweh, when you see it in your in our Bibles, it's um, capital L-O-R-D, Lord. So the Lord. That's what you would see in your Bible. There's another word for, for Lord as well. It's Adonai, and that means master, teacher, one who guides. So what they believed about God is that God instructed them, that God loved them so much that he would guide them and encourage them along the way and show them how to live. And so, they, so when, when we see, even in the earliest pages of scripture, who is God? He's Elohim. He's huge. He's big. He's Yahweh. He's personal. He's interactive. He's Adonai. He's master and teacher and Lord. And, and when Abraham meets this God for the first time, he cannot deny the existence of this God. And God gets personal with him. And God reveals himself to him and Abraham ends up obeying this God and leaving his country and moving to another place because God promises him that he will make him into a great nation and be a blessing and that the ends of the earth will be blessed because of his choice. The New Testament looks back to that and says, Abraham was credited to him as righteousness because of his faith. He responded in faith to this amazing, huge, big, yet personal God. There's an author named Thomas Cahill. He's a, uh, I think he's a Jewish scholar uh, and also teaches in university. And he wrote uh, many books, but one of them was called The Gift of the Jews. And I always loved reading the description that Cahill says, describes when, when Abraham first Discovers who God is, because Abraham came from a Sumerian Mesopotamian background, and it was likely that you know when he went into his home or his area where they lived, there was possibly some idols set up there was there was maybe some rituals that they did to to manipulate the gods around them, like gods, please, like let it rain, let it rain, or they would start doing things to you know please help we want us to, we want to be fertile, and so we want to have lots of kids, so do something, and so they would They got accustomed to to performing rituals and doing things and maybe bowing to certain idols or uh, things that were created so the gods would make them fertile or make their crops grow or make it rain or bring them protection. But Thomas Cahill describes the, the moment as best he could. He says, When, imagine, Abraham discovers Elohim, Yahweh, Adonai, and he realizes. I can't manipulate this God. There's nothing I can do to make him do what I want him to do. And when he discovers that, it's like he would go home to his home and, and, and just cr- trash all the little fragments of the gods that he was associated with before. But he recognizes, oh, this God is different. I can't manipulate him. I can't make him do what I want him to do, but I will put my faith in him. I believe He's revealed himself to me, and I will follow him. So who's this God that we start thinking about even in the creed? It's, he's a unique, powerful, not created, but creator. He's personal. He's a revealer. N.T. Wright says, The gods of the nations are mere idols, but our God made the heavens. That's what, that's what these earliest people who discovered who God was believed. That's what they thought of him. And as Israel discovered more and more about God and relationship and experience, all these metaphors started to emerge. You read the scriptures and they say God is like an eagle. He's strong and can and sees all things. God is like a refuge. God is our refuge. We can come to him and find refuge in him. God is a tower. He's strong and powerful. God is a fortress. God is a rock. God is a healer. And so as you read through the scriptures, you start to see all these metaphors being given to God. God is like this. God is like that. God is, Because even though he's big and even though he's personal, he's so big that he can't be described in one way. So all these metaphors start being used to describe who this God is. And there's one label that made it into the creed. And it's the short phrase, Father Almighty. I believe in God. Father Almighty. Um, what an amazing choice and just wisdom and to be led in this way. The word almighty is great because it's an, it's an adjective to father. It's, it's actually not necessarily just a noun but an adjective to father but it describes who God is. Isaiah, and, and today I'm going to walk through a whole bunch of scripture because I told you that the creeds point us back into the scriptures. So we're going to, a bunch of them are going to come on the screen and the first one is Isaiah 50:15. I am the Lord your God who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. And here's the description of God. The Lord almighty is his name. The Lord is almighty. Our God, the one we believe in, is an almighty God. He's all-powerful, infinite in power, infinite in wisdom, possesses all might, not limited to anything, and yet he uses his power, get this, as we see it through the scriptures, to win the world by his love. He's almighty, not just in his strength, but he's almighty in the sense of how he loves and his character. In fact, maybe the only thing that limits God, if we want to say it, is his own character and his consistency to who he is because he will not go against his own character. So he's not limited in a sense that he can't do certain things, but he's consistent with his character. That's part of what makes him almighty. You can see this through the scriptures from the creation to new creation. Right? God created the heavens and the earth, the miracle of creation, the miracle of rescuing Israel from Egypt, the incarnation of his only son coming and moving into our world, right? That's just amazing and miraculous. The paradox of the cross, that, that the cross would be a way that Jesus would be lifted up and people would be saved, that humanity would be saved by that act, the power of the resurrection, the just amazing Possibility and hope of the new creation in the future. This is part of God's almightiness, if I can kind of say it that way. But it's amazing how the creed describes him. He's Father Almighty. So, Almighty is a description of his primary character as Father. In in other words, he acts for you, you know, just like a, a good dad. I know not all of us have had good dads, but a good dad exerts his power, his strength, his capabilities or whatever, his resources on behalf of his kids. Never in distance, never in separation, never far never never in spite of his kids. No. A good father uses all his resources with his kids in mind. And that's our God, Father Almighty. I love how Romans tells us in Romans chapter eight that God is for us. What an amazing description of God. So so this Almighty, it's still an adjective here, but it seems like the earliest Christians focused on God's primary title, and it's this title that's so awesome. And we sang about it even today that He's our Father. He's our Father. Listen to this scripture. Isaiah 63 says, You are our Father. Though Abraham does not know us or Israel acknowledge us, you, Lord, are our Father. Our Redeemer from of old is your name. The next chapter says, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter, we are all the work of your hands. In the, in the book of Acts, we see Paul trying to describe who God is to these people in Athens. And he says, we live and move and have our very life and being in him, in this God. Because he's our father. is creator of heaven and earth. Israel saw God as father, not just Yahweh or Lord, but also as father. It was, it was one way that they, that they related to who God was. And I, I love the, the wisdom of Solomon in Proverbs 3. He says, the Lord disciplines those he loves. As a father, the son he delights in. As Israel got to know God and got to experience God, and, and God at times would discipline them and would speak to them and, and would try and get them off the detour they were in, they realized. it says, man, our, our God is like a father who disciplines. He delights in us so much. The discipline's not always easy, but we recognize he is our father and he loves us. And so at times he will even discipline us because he loves us. And then yet his character goes beyond Israel. It extends to other people. Listen to Psalm 68, five. It says that God is a father to the fatherless and a defender of widows. God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. I love this. Now, I know some of us can be maybe tripped up by this and say, I didn't have a good father experience. And at times we see God through through the experience of our dads. They were negative. And I love what many theologians say, including Carl Barthio, say, We need to we need to see God as as we see God as Father, it paints a picture of what a good dad is like. We can't look at at the limited and sometimes negative experiences of our fathers and say, oh, this is how God is. Because if this is my dad, then God's like him. Or if this is a bad man or a bad male, then every male is bad, and that means that that male is God and God is male. And people start, start getting tripped up, and for good reason if they've had horrible experiences. But we see a picture of God as Father that is good and loving and caring, that even in his power, he relates to us this way. And you know, the best, the best picture of this we get is through Jesus because Jesus shows us in the most beautiful way, how God is our father. Jesus shows us God as father. We see, we see God as his father and we see God as our father. When we look at Jesus, think about Jesus' baptism, Matthew chapter three, the heavens open up, God's voice comes and speaks down. And what's the first, what, what, what's the phrase that is said about Jesus, this is is my son in whom I'm well pleased. That's the voice of a father who is, who is, you know, launching his son into this mission and affirming, I delight in you. I love you. I'm well pleased with you. This is this picture of God as father. We start to get from Jesus. Jesus. John chapter 14, verse 23, gives us this, this glimpse. Jesus says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them. My Father will love them, and he will come to them and make our home with them. Here's Jesus referring to God as Father. If you read John 14, 15, and 16, I mean, just try and count how many times Jesus calls God Father. It's amazing. So we get a glimpse of how God is Father through Jesus and his Father. God. But we also are taught, and we see this in the scriptures, we see that God's not just Jesus' dad. God is our dad. It's not that he just says he's my father, he's our father. When when the disciples are, are learning from Jesus and struggling and and they come to him, and Luke, Luke tells us this, this specific way, when when they come to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you teach us how to pray? Teach us how to pray. We we need to you pray. We need to learn how to pray. Jesus says, okay, here's how you pray. And how does he start that phrase? And you probably know it, right? Our Father. Our Father. Right? Jesus automatically says, if you want to pray, here, this, this is what prayer looks like. It's you talking to your Father. It's not just my Father. He's your Father. Our Father. We prayed before from Ephesians 3 as we started our gathering today. And Paul prays this amazing prayer for the Ephesian church, but he prefaces the prayer by saying these words, for this reason I kneel before the Father. Even Paul comes and he recognizes God is my Father. John chapter 20 verse 17, uh, Jesus says this, and I love this, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. This phrase that you know echoes into other parts of the Gospels tells us this is not just Jesus' father. He's our father. And then as the spirit grows in us, listen. look at the experience of the early church. Paul tells us to the Galatian church in Galatians chapter 4. He says, because you are his sons, and I added daughters, because you are his children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, Abba, the most intimate name for father, like dad or pop. That because the Spirit of God dwells in those who've put their faith in Christ, it's this, His Spirit who calls out to God, Abba, Father. And, and Paul tells the same similar thing to the Romans. The Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. You're part of the family. And by Him, we cry, Abba, Father. We can, we can come before God and say, Daddy, Abba. And just talk to him. We can, that's how we are. That's our relationship with God as father. And one of my favorite descriptions is. John in his older age as he tells us in 1 John chapter 3 verse 1. He tells us. He says see what great love the father has lavished on us. That we should be called children of God. And that is what we are like. He's kind of don't forget what you are. Don't forget what you are. You are God's children. He is your father. When we ask the question, who is God or what do I believe about God? We have to come to this, this conclusion. God is like a father. Yes, he's, he's big and he's incredibly powerful and he has this, and and he's personal and he interjects and intersects into history and into our lives and he's master and teacher and Lord. But he is father. He is father. Here's Michael Bird sums it up in a great way. He says, God is not a distant deity, not an impersonal power, not a divine uh, nomad without personality or purpose. God is the one who made Christ our brother and the Holy Spirit our comforter and adopted us as sons and daughters of his royal and everlasting kingdom. What an amazing, if you want to know what do we know about God, this is what we know about God. When someone says, what God do you believe in? This is the God we believe in. What do we stand on? What do we affirm? What do we believe? What do we trust? Who do we trust? This is who we trust. Our great God, who's Father Almighty. I'm going to ask the band to come up as we slowly come to a close, but I want to just pause and say this. Think about this. When people ask you who God is, When you wonder who God is, this is a God worth believing in. Because I know when you're talking to friends or neighbors or coworkers and they describe what they think about God, you can easily say, you know what, I don't don't believe in that God either. That's not the God I believe in. That's not the God I describe. That's not the God who's revealed himself to me. My God is worth believing in. Our God is worth believing in. And secondly, our God is worth belonging to. He's a God worth believing and he's a God worth belonging to. It's so important to bring those together because yes, he is a huge, incredible, powerful God, but he is also our father that invites us to be his children. And so when you think about your response, what's your response to this? I hope, I hope your response, and many of you already have this response, is believe. I Believe in God, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in God who revealed himself through Jesus Christ and continues to point to himself through the Holy Spirit and through the scriptures. That your response would be belief. Just like this creed starts out in this affirmation, I believe this so deeply about who God is because you've got to answer that question which, who, what do you believe about God? And then you've got to answer the question after you've discovered that do I believe? Do I step in and trust this God? Like faith, all throughout the scriptures, is always a response to God revealing Himself. And so if He has revealed Himself to you, have been revealing Himself to you, then your, your response is do I believe? Will I step into this and believe? I love how the early church described this in Ephesians chapter one. Paul is, is just you know um, this incredible opening phrase to Ephesians chapter one. He says, we're blessed beyond spiritual measure. It's amazing how blessed we are. And then he comes to verse five and he says, in love, in love, he, God, predestined us, and here's this word, for adoption to, t- to sonship through Jesus Christ. He's predestined us for adoption jesus christ in accordance with his good pleasure and will what does that mean that means that even though we are lost without god in our sin he sent jesus christ so we could be in his family so we could say we are part of god's family so we can say with john how lavished we are that we're children of god that's what we are because in this was god's plan he predestined those who would put their trust in Christ who would respond to the revelation of Jesus and pointing us to God that when we respond he says this is what you're made for you're predestined to be adopted you're predestined to to belong you're predestined to call God your father and here's, here's how it happens you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth the gospel of your salvation and here it is when you what? believed when you believed you were marked with the seal, the promised Holy Spirit. I just I love that. Our belief is not just a belief in some cosmic force. When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, He reveals to us who the Father is, and our belief, our response, then brings us into this amazing relationship that we can be called God's children. God's children. I'm actually to stand as we close today because when I was thinking about this and thinking about this description in the Apostles' Creed and how it points us back into all this amazing Scripture, I was thinking about this thought. I thought, how incredible all this is that God, as Father, and, and this isn't so important, knows your name and knows my name. Do we grasp that? In the Old Testament, God says, I have redeemed you, I have called you by name. God knows your very name. David, Victoria, Simon, and Alex, and, and, and Carlos. God knows your name. You know, my daughter, she's in grade seven, and last year she went to a mini day for high school. And she was privileged because... My son was already in the school, and he was in this leadership program, and his teacher, Ms. Nacheva, knows Andrew quite well because they do a lot of projects together with other students. So my daughter must have been walking the hall, and Ms. Nacheva was walking, and, and my daughter's walking, you know, she's like, mini-day, who the heck, who's this kid? She doesn't, You know, first day, like, not even first day, it's like before they even ever get there. And Julia's walking, and Ms. Nacheva says, Hey, Julia Manifo! How, how did you know my name? And somehow for Andrew and other stuff and, and you know when we were chatting later at night Julia how was this mini day? She's ta- telling us about it. She says you know what happened? I said what? She says, you know Miss Necheva, Andrew's teacher, the one he talks about I'm walking through the hall and she called me out she says, Julia man with this big smile that's what Julia remembered because when someone knows your name so personal and loving and deep and God knows your name. He knows my name. He loves you. The God of the universe, the creator of earth, Elohim, Yahweh, Adonai, Father Almighty. He knows your name. He knows my name. Um, so we're going to sing this song together as a close, as a reminder of the God we believe in this is the God we believe in this is who he is this is what, how we can describe him this is how we know him and the beginning of the creed the core of even this thought and belief in church history celebrated this this creedal phrase that God, Father Almighty maker of heaven and earth we believe let's sing this together, guys would you lead us in this song? We believe, we believe in God, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We believe in you, Lord. We believe in how you have revealed yourself to us. God, we are grateful that you are so much bigger and grander and powerful and infinite than all of us. That you were you always have been and you will always be. That in your infinite wisdom and power and might you had sent your son Jesus to reveal to us in even greater ways to make sure the picture's so clear so we could know who you are and who we believe in though you are so awesome and mighty and you are a great fortress and a great tower you are also father God we're grateful that in your might you are compassionate and merciful and when we respond to you in faith we respond to a loving father and that you long to win our hearts and win this world through your love and that your strength is revealed through that. Lord, we tell you we love you. We believe in you. And may our lives reflect to the world around us who you really are so that when people have uh, a damaged vision of you, a damaged perspective of you, when they have been marred by a relationship or a family situation, when they have felt lonely and they project that onto you, God, may our lives and our words and our opportunities with them, God, be able to give them even a glimpse so they could know that that you love them and that you long for them to know you. You are worth believing in, God. You are worth belonging to. We just state that today, God, as we close. In Jesus' name we pray. The one who calls you Father and has invited us to call you Father. In his name we pray. Amen.